Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. And good old Jared Brandon is Jared Brandon. He's back, everybody. I'm back, too. Hey, everybody. It's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar, Guitar Knobs podcast. I am i don't know why I'm uh, fumbling over my words so soon. Uh, please bear with me as I work out the kinks. Hopefully not like a harbinger it. of things to come. Yeah, well, I, I hope it shows not. shows that you're human. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Like uh, speaking of human, we got another human sitting with us right now across from us. John Esterly with Rare Buzz Effects. Perfect. Um, and gentlemen, why are we here today, aside from having an awesome podcast? Who do we... We have somebody on the line that I think we're going to interview. I'm going to answer Who that for it? you. Who are you, person? Uh, Scott Monk from Montreal Assembly Pedals. Holy macaroni. Montreal Assembly Pedals. Montreal. uh, A a famed and curious name in the the pedal world. And I'm really thrilled that we have him on. We'll we'll get into this a little bit. Um, We've... uh, we actually, he was one of the, the earliest people that we reached out to. I'm glad that we're doing it now, as I, as I told him a little bit earlier, instead of way back then, because we were still cutting our teeth on everything. So I think, well, I think your, your experience, hopefully, is uh, better now than it would have been back then. But thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no problem. I will say that if somebody's saying, what, the, what is Montreal Assembly? Um, what, we're going to get into your full interview, but... Uh, you are known, or I think you made your mark on the guitar world in a big way with the uh, Count to Five pedal, which has been featured many times on our Four on the Floor segment. So that's why one of the reasons oh, nice. we think this is really nice. exciting. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to have a great time tonight. We're going to talk about guitar stuff and pedal stuff and probably have a few laughs on the way, hopefully. Tony's shaking his head vehemently. No, no that's laughing. not going to have happen. No laughing. Okay, well, uh, then we'll have to let Jared do all that for us. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, handle a few announcements real quick, and then we'll get into some awesome content. <laughs> what, what? That kind of bird was that? I like it. That's like a bird from, like, uh, from like George of the Jungle or something. It might have been. Or Super George, Chicken. George, George, it might have been. That yeah. was your new announcement. That was, okay. that was your new announcement. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, and John, uh, you, you have an announcement or something? No, I was gesturing to you oh, to thank you. present the announcement. Yes, we need to thank. Okay, Road Mike. Thank you, Tony. Uh, the Super Delay is working on you. I think he might actually be hooked up to account to five. Uh, so we want to thank Road Mics for handling, uh, for handing us some pretty fine audio equipment. Love it. uh, To record all this nonsense with. Roadcaster Uh, Pro. Yep. And the Procaster Mics doing the job. Articulating arms. Yep. We just uh, hit over 270 episodes. And on the last one, we, uh, yeah, 272 now. Uh, on the last one, we calculated... Uh, and if you haven't heard this, please listen to the end of number 272 because we talk about all the various ways that you can listen should you be traveling to the moon oh, or yes. to, New, to New York via Tokyo. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, yeah. You uh, got to listen to the first episode, by the way. It's the best one. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, <laughs> we also, I, I wanted to uh, mention to all of the builders that we've interviewed, hopefully you're still listening, um, and even if, we ha- if you haven't been on or maybe just want to share it with the rest of our 
uh, audience. Um, I would love to get your brand, your swaggy bits in front of our audience, uh, our patrons that sign up, we send them reward packages, which include Schwaggy all kinds bits. of stickers and pics and whatever. And uh, I'd love to put your brand in their hands. So um, DM me uh, or send me an email, Todd at the Guitar Knobs podcast. Uh, sorry, at the Guitar Knobs dot com, uh, and uh, we will um, we'll, we'll sort something out. You can send me some stickers and pics and stuff and. And make some, some get people that are interested in your brand very happy. Yes. All right. Uh, let's find out what's going on in our music world this week. We're going to talk to Tanya Balansky over here. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to check in with Mr. Scott Monk of Montreal Assembly. Well, you know, Todd, this week, lots of things were happening. But most importantly, I, uh, I, I worked a deal with a buddy. Uh, he wanted to buy my... Uh, and Jared, you'll, you'll know what this one is. It's a 1991 uh, Gibson Firebird 1. It's a 60, nice. 63 reissue. Yeah. Uh, so it's a single pickup. This one is an, was what unusual. What color was it? Sunburst. You know, okay. It's typical. And the, the, what made this one really different um, is in, this was in 1991, 92, <coughs> excuse me, Gibson Custom Shop did limited runs of certain models for the factor for Gibson USA. This one uh, was a special order in that it had a wraparound bridge tailpiece instead of the two-part tunematic with a tailpiece. Um, so it was, it's a, it was a very cool guitar. I really wasn't using it. Jeff really wanted it. So we worked out a pretty good deal, and then he sent me a picture of a guitar that he was trying to sell uh, and asked if I might have some interest. So well, we, you know, sweetened the deal a little bit, and I got the guitar and a little bit of cash, and he got the Firebird. But what's cool about this, this is a, um, it, I believe based on that headstock badge, it's a 1965K, K-A-Y-K, letter K, 300. And um, the K only made this particular model for four years, 62 to 66. And it was their, one of their early forays into what they called a solid-body guitar, mm -hmm. even though this is not a solid-body guitar. It's, it's hollow on the inside. And it's a big body. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty huge guitar, but it's a solid body, uh, no, no F-holes or anything. Um, but what makes it really cool is it's got two speed bump pickups, and the speed bumps were made by Gibson. Uh, and, you know, they, a lot of Ks have them. Some Harmonies have them. And you know, they're called a speed bump because there's like a bump in the middle instead of pole pieces sticking through. Okay. Yeah. Um, and let me interject. My boss has been, he's kind of the curator of the, the vault where we keep a lot of information. And he was at uh, Custom looking through a lot of things. And he found a notebook for a winder uh, that a winder had just wrote all these notes. And there's you know bobbin types and windings and uh, and this is from the 50s oh, and cool. k's k's are mentioned in this notebook hmm. like like the amount of winds for this kind of bobbin also go to k and i think she i think harmony maybe but i don't remember yeah well that would make sense because those were the the you know the speed bump pickups were and they're actually decent they basically sound like a p90 they got old magnets in them yeah so they're people pay they're cool big just for too. those magnets yeah now what's even cooler yeah. about this particular guitar is um 
Jeff had sent this up to uh, Dan Johnson up in Akron at the time. Uh, now, for those who don't know, Dan Johnson was a repair guy in the Akron area who... What, did, Dan? Oh. Uh, yes. And <laughs> no, different Dan. Not Dan Shin, but Dan Johnson. Huh. I didn't know there was anybody else in Akron. Yeah, well, well, Dan Johnson uh, did a lot of work for uh, Dan Auerbach from Black Keys and a couple of other bands. And now... Uh, Dan Johnson is in your neck of the woods, Jared. I think he's down in Franklin. Oh, right on. Yeah, so he's kind of based out of Nashville these days. But mm. um, according to Jeff, and, and based on what I see on this, uh, I think Dan took on a uh, kind of a labor of love for this guitar because he literally, someone had thinned the neck at some time. So uh, uh, Dan removed the fingerboard, put a piece of wood underneath the old fingerboard, leveled the uh, fingerboard and refretted the thing wow <laughs> and this is for a guitar that's really not worth that level of work wow. it's such a great guitar though now but it's yeah it's i mean it's it's you know it, it's it's 100 percent better than what it was i'm sure yeah and um you know so he had a lot more work in it than than you know he probably should have for a guitar of that caliber but you know it's beautiful too. Yeah. I mean, it has aged really well. That is yes. a that is a real, really great guitar. I think. Yeah. So I think I'm 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 very happy with the deal that that was struck, and uh, and Jeff is happy with the the Firebird, and you know, as long as everybody's happy, that's good, all good, that matters. Good. Yeah, you called me about that Firebird, and you asked me, you know, to look up the serial number. I called my boss, yeah. and he was like. Oh, yeah, give me a couple minutes. And he just, let me look this up. And a few taps, and he goes, oh, yeah, all I got here is that it was a special, made special in custom shop. Nothing else follows. Yeah. And well, unfortunately, a, a lot of Connecticut. those. Yeah, unfortunately, those, the, a lot of those records are just like that. They, you know. They just wrote down what they thought was necessary, I guess. Yeah, and it, if it was something big, it would have a lot more info on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like sent to Jimmy Page, sent to Jared Brandon, you know, stuff like right. that. <laughs> one, one of those two, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, Scott, what's going on with you in your music world? Recently, I guess the uh, biggest thing, uh, I think in May I did um, – Kind of like a workshop run by this local guy, um, which was about uh, the title of the workshop was something about like uh, uh, something about incorporating machine learning into like artistic practice, something oh, yeah. like this. And um, but it was really specifically about sound, like incorporating it for sound. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was kind of like three days like three saturdays and um i don't know it's something i was interested in a lot i think because uh at some point i uh, someone i don't know sent me a artist on Bandcamp that is called yona like y-o-n-a mm -hmm. and um it's pretty interesting music it's i think it's I looked into a bit more and I, it's a guy in the or a person in the UK that I think is just curating like the output of some some sort of, you know, uh, AI generating uh, melodies based on, I don't know, whatever data he's feeding in. Mm -hmm. And then I never really had time to look into this. And then this guy was offering this workshop locally, this guy, Gabriel, uh, who has studied this quite a bit. 
And so I did that. Uh, it was really just, it was pretty surface level, but um, it was nice just to kind of, I don't know, become aware of like what tools are available to do that and just have someone who like already knows all the answers tell you, right? <laughs> Instead of like right. spending your whole weekend like looking around on the internet being like, I guess this could work. I don't know. Just having someone that's like, no, look, plug this in and then do it and then it does it. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> uh, so um, I think that's probably like the biggest thing that's happened recently. And then um, I've been trying to um, meet with a, um, not necessarily with people that I met at the workshop, but there's another guy I know, uh, locally who's really into like max MSP and a lot of the, um, a lot of the tools that seem to be developed like freely and stuff, are, um, you know, people provide you with some max MSP patch to interface with their machine learning models. So he knows a lot about this. So I've been trying to, I don't know, just meet with him and I just have some fun, really. I, I don't know what the end goal of it is. I'm not necessarily even trying to get a computer to write me music. I just find it uh, kind of interesting as a concept. And mm -hmm. Scott, what exactly, uh, for those who don't know, what is Maxim SP? Yeah, it's it's just like a graphical programming language, I guess. You get a bunch of boxes that have inputs and outputs, and you can just, you know, by clicking a mouse, just connect them to each other and they have some functionality. And it's all mostly related to sound. I think some of it is video. I think even um, Ableton Live has like some Max MSP integration now. I'm, I'm not sure because I'm not an expert on right. uh, Ableton, but I think it's quite popular. Um, there's a free version of it called Pure Data, which is actually written by the same guy, but it's a bit, it's a bit rougher, let's say. Uh -huh. um, and then Max, I think maybe it's free for students or something, but I don't. I think it's like four or five hundred dollars to buy the the full thing. So is it for creating music or is it for developing um, tools to create music? Mm, I guess more the latter. Yeah, like I mean, it's like I don't know. It's like if you design a synthesizer, are you creating music? I mean, if you play it, you are. I guess so. Right. Yeah, so, I would so, say it's more like you. Yeah, it's like. It's like, personally, I think of it more as programming, but gotcha. I mean, you, you could open up someone else's patch and then just play it, I guess. And then that would be just playing. But Right. Uh, so yeah. so it's it's for creating uh, new patches or plugins for. Yeah. OK, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's like a sandbox. Okay. Uh, I mean, I could be butchering it. Maybe there's some Max MSP purists who will think this I, is a terrible explanation, <laughs> but this is my this is my how I look at it. I yeah. guess so, I gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, John, how about yourself? Well, I'm going to piggyback on last time's What Am I Doing in My Music Week because okay. we talked, uh, Tony and I, about various Vox amplifiers, and he shamed me into <laughs> staying away from the uh, printed circuit board versions of the uh, AC-15. Well, today our friend uh, Rob Chaffee at Mad Cow posted what, we've, what we think is his personal Dr. Z Maz 18 Jr. for sale. And uh, he and I were able to strike uh, a homey deal on it, so I'll be picking it up tomorrow. That's nice. fantastic. Yeah, so I'm very excited. He got that very, one yeah. actually from Jared's boss in Nashville. Oh, wonderful. So full, oh, yeah. full circle. Yeah, kind mm -hmm. of. Half circle. Well, <laughs> They both asked me. Yeah, so Rob... <clears throat> 
um, I asked my boss, hey, are you selling your amp to somebody in Columbus? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I know the guy, and it was crazy. The yes. End. Yes. <laughs> Did they know Kevin Bacon? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Jared, about yourself. Uh, yeah. So it's been really crazy the last two to three weeks. I went home and spent the a week at home digging out 15 years of packing crap at my house and uh, it filled up a 40-yard dumpster. Jeez. Full of stuff, and then another twenty yards after that. So sixty yards, sixty yards of just collecting stuff and stuff I've had for forty years as a child growing up, and I just it was time to say bye bye to everything. Wow. Um, even some music equipment, not a lot, but just some old stuff that I never use um, that wasn't even worth putting on Craigslist or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I, we got all the stuff moved down here from the movers and they were Russian and, but they were nice. Uh, and, uh, why did were, I mention were they that? Russian is okay. in, in the country or rushing? Uh, they were only Russian. Okay. <laughs> Not rushing. Okay. Uh, and nice fellas though. Um, I got my, uh, Mutron down here and the biphase and I'm like oh man this don't work so I, I messed with it for a while and I just couldn't get it to work right in fact I probably made it worse and I the first person I looked up on the internet which I don't remember who it was uh I emailed and and uh told him I was sending my biphase I sent it and a week later um a nice gal emails me and she's like yeah it's gonna be uh 340 dollars to fix jeez and i'm like do it do it do it do it do it i mean it's a you know uh, what do those go for that are in okay condition about like 340 dollars <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because it's not true and that's why it's funny 339 yeah we're talking anywhere from you know 15 to Oh, yeah, it's, I bucks mean, for those. that's that's the big one on the stand, right? Yeah, the giant one. Yeah. Yeah. It's Scott, have you so messed around like, with yeah, any of, of that course. old Mutron stuff? Uh, no, I've never had the uh, – I've never the encountered bi-phase. one. I've Yeah, no, I've never encountered one in the wild. Yeah. So what I figured out is I didn't really like using the old Mutron stuff. I liked having it because it was collectible and cool, but um, – the pedal that I couldn't think of the last podcast I was on is the unipedal. And the unipedal just takes that wool blanket of sound off of everything. Hmm. So I'm actually satisfied with the way these vintage Mutron, Mutron sound with this unipedal. Yeah, that's the, uh, so, the 23. Yes, I got the really... 26. 26. Uh, 29. 29. I, 29 do pedals. Do I hear 32? <laughs> <laughs> 29 pedals. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, fantastic pedal. So thanks again for making that pedal. 29 pedals. Yeah, they've been on the show. Uh, great, great. Yeah, so I can't wait to get the pedal back. They said, I don't know, like three to four to five weeks or something. I didn't really care. Was just Yeah, just get it back to me when you're done. So, And, uh, and this month was my one-year anniversary with Gibson, and it's... It's it's great because when I first got there, it's like everything was just so fast, and I couldn't figure. You know, it was it was hard to adjust, and 
now I look around and everything's slowing down for me. So feels like home. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. It, it it was a good decision. It, I it knew was. it would take me a year to figure it out, but if it was a good decision, but yeah, right. it's sitting pretty here in Nashville. I like it. That's good, man. That's good. And yeah. where you are you living in Nashville? Certainly. No. no. Okay. Okay. No, I I owned a home in Ohio and um, bought a house down here in the market oh, nice. that it is. So, but oh, nice. The good thing is, uh, you know, I've had my home in Ohio for a long time, so because of the market it's you know we're going to be okay financially so yeah. it's all good good yeah. good good yeah, yeah. uh How about you, well i did so, a semi-impulse purchase um but I, I was really happy about it because honestly as soon as i got it i just kept seeing them go up in price um i think partially due to a few videos that have come out recently and there have been other ones in the past i'm getting there i'm getting there john's going like what is it um <laughs> i got the uh tone sariatone sariatone however you want to say it the clone clone the centaur mm-hmm. clone mm-hmm. um in the in proper enclosure in the whole nine yards i mean it's, it's like a close to as one to one one to one comparison that you can get and uh I, I was going to get a brand new one from them, and I decided I could have. I picked up a used one from a, a fella feller in very close to where I grew up in Seal Beach, California, and yeah. So instead of waiting for you know however many weeks slash months, uh, I got it in a couple days nice. and played it out at a gig, and it sounded great, and I was super happy. It was awesome. Cool. Hey, Jared, why don't you bring your actual clone and compare to mine? I think we should. That would be that would be. I'll be up next weekend. Not not this, but next. We'll okay. You're gonna miss Red, White, and Boom. Yeah. Well, so anyways, back to my thing, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get the horsey. I got the just a straight gold. Um, What's which, the difference? Because there is no difference in the original. I was gonna ask what the difference is. I, I aesthetics. Todd, what would the difference be? Well, yeah. I'm not a clone, um, uh, clown professional. But you you think there's a difference though? So that's <laughs> it's like, what's the difference to you? That's what we want to know. Like, yeah, you, what the difference, difference to me is yeah. one's yeah. got a, a silly graphic on the front and one doesn't. Okay, <laughs> that's that's okay. literally the difference yeah. with the originals too. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no sound. Wow. It's just aesthetics. I yeah, I just like the big gold. It's I mean, it's awesome. It's it's. I like I get it. I didn't really get it before, and I'm not saying oh, I get the amazing transparent sound. It's like I'm not saying that at all because I run it right into my small sound, big sound, big sound Levi Levin pedal, which and that's fine. You know, kills whatever transparency there is. <laughs> no, I mean, um, it's, but no, it sounds it great because it gives do, it yeah. this fantastic um, mid, like just it not over. I don't want to say it's a mid boost. It, but it adds a, uh, a a mid-tone that I was hoping to get. And a it, certain and, genesis quoi. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's just, and, it, and it, the drive on it is a little more, I don't know, it's just got a little something extra that it puts into the into the sound, and I really like it. Hmm. But uh, the, uh, more, maybe more so, I get the, I get the enclosure, I get the, the thing. You know, there's something just about it, it's like, yeah, this if, is substantial. Even if it doesn't work, it makes a great paperweight. It, right? it, it will, yeah. 
So, do you use it always on, or is it something you're using? As well, a... originally I was going to punch in, but I actually am like it always on, running into. I'm I'm using it as a stacked. Okay. Because I've got a I've got a overdriven sound. I wouldn't say full blown distortion. Um, I have a ver- as pushed overdrive as you can without it just being, you know, gain full up on a Marshall kind of thing. Right. You know. Right. Because um, I, I do still need uh, the, uh, a very articulated, like, punch and cut if I, you know, without it just kind of just going on. So that's the best I can describe it. I need it to be a, a brass knuckles and a stiletto at the same time. What's that? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it was pretty fun. And relatively, uh, relatively affordable. I, I, I allowed myself to get something a little bit nice. So uh, that was super fun. Anyways, we are going to move on to one of the most favorite, beloved even, segments of our show. Many years running. Uh, but first, we need to check in from our other friends, Scott, up north. Hey, Todd. Yes, Tony. Speaking of the Seriatone clone... Clone, clone, clone. Uh-huh. That's a tough one to say. It is. It, it drives your, your, it makes your head go twist, yes. twisty, left and right hemispheres. How did you hook those doggone pedals together? Well, it's funny you ask because I actually needed to get a size up because it's a wide pedal. Yeah. And I had to do a wraparound. So I needed a longer S shaped pedal, which fortunately, Tour Gear Designs provides oh tour gear designs is the trick that is the trick i've heard that name somewhere yes we we have referenced it quite a few times and for good reason because um i was able to get them really fast yeah and i got the sizes that i needed and they're flat they are flat Flat. incredibly low profile because i i i downsized to um a pedal train metro size for my board and so i need the room yeah it's uh, anyways, uh, it's not the like the nano itty bitty thing, but it's a uh, it's, it's still, a yeah you know that's a that's a that's a big. downsize yay from big. What, where you it were. is because the other one was rather large. Anyways, so Tour Gear helped me out in that in that manner, and uh, I I absolutely love those things. Super low profile and very uh, small actual jack ends, so they're not cramming in and bumping into the uh, power supply, which is usually located in the middle of the pedal. Let, me ask, let me ask you this, Todd. Did yes. you pay full price? Uh, you know, I was gonna, but then I remembered wait, the guitar knobs actually have a coupon code. So if you go to tourgeardesigns.com yeah. and load up your cart load it up in the coupon code area, if you put the guitar knobs, all, all one word. word, you're gonna save 10% on your entire order. 10%? That's correct. Holy moly. So thank you so much to Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our four on the floor. Jared? Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Scott Monk from Montreal Assembly. I really love saying that because we finally got you on. What is your four on the floor? Um, The first pedal is probably the Digitech. Whammy five, Ooh. Spe- specifically the five though. The four is good, but the five is really, I don't know. They they really figured it out. I think it's one better. Uh, it's one better, and 
I think there's also a switch to make it not one better, oh. which is a pretty baller move, I think. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, that's one of its features. It can actually just be the four. Only, I think mechanically, the five is also a lot nicer. Like when you're, when you look at it, if you look at the four, you're like, I don't know if I want to step on this. Even though it's made out of metal, it kind of looks cheap, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> like really thin metal folded. I don't know. And it's glossy. I think the five has a bit of a matte finish, which is kind of nicer. I don't know. The design on the treadle is nicer. Uh, it doesn't use a bizarro 9-volt AC power supply. It uh, uses a normal. Yeah, it's they really um, they really figured out what people actually wanted uh, in the Whammy. Because yeah. I, uh, I think I already had two Whammy 4s, so, I mean, why would you buy a third one? And the... the <laughs> The five was like, that's why. That's why you buy a third one. And right. I think I actually now have two fives and only one four. So, wow. Um, and yeah, it might be my favorite pedal of all time for different really? reasons. Um, yeah, maybe not even necessarily because of the sound. Um, I just think it's hilarious in concept. Like, I don't know. When I was a kid and like the, you know, Whammy 2 or whatever was out, it's like, Oh, a pedal that just changes the pitch. That's it. You're like, wow, that's amazing. And you know, it still kind of is in my head, even though I think like a million pedals probably change the pitch of your guitar at this yeah. point. But um, and what else is is cool about it? Um, yeah. So I thought a lot about the five being amazing, and then uh, much later in life, when I was graced with the ability to go to NAM, and I actually met Tom Cram there. Well, I met Tom Cram many times, actually. Uh -huh. We used to work at Digitech, and uh, we were just talking randomly at NAM about whatever one day, and I just mentioned, oh, yeah, the Whammy 5. Basically, I just said what I just said now, and then he was like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically he was like, oh, yeah, that was like one of my projects at Harmon was to like – find out why the whammy four didn't sell that much or something like that or something about like what do people want fixed on the whammy pedal uh -huh. and then so all these little things like the power supply and not being stupid and i don't know better construction and and whatever it, it actually is i don't I don't, know, I don't know if this is paraphrased but it seems like it's actually maybe even because of tom cram which i thought was cool i thought that was cool meeting him and like actually being like oh wow this is the guy that made you buy another one i was, <laughs> like, uh, I was like oh cheers man um so yeah, I think especially now after um, those experiences, it's even even more solidified. Almost like it's not even a meme anymore. It's like no, no, it really is the best one. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired you to to get into the Whammy uh, pedal? Um, what inspired me? Oh, I guess because I don't know. I had like really no pedals when I was little. I don't know. I had like uh, some Dodd chorus pedal and. I don't know. I think my dad had like a DD3 or something. And then like the DD3 has like, you know, it has a long enough delay that you can imagine changing the pitch of the sound. And then just like, you know, trying to find stuff that actually does that eventually leads you to the whammy, which is really just about that, right? I mean, I, I knew nothing about effects when I was during this time. And then uh, I guess the. The whammy pedal was always like, oh, the known solution, but I didn't really have any money. And then I think, 
I think when the Whammy 4 came out, I was actually working for Panasonic doing like laptop repair or something. So I actually had a job and I could afford buying it. And so I did. And it was like this big deal in my head to like finally get it. And yeah, I don't know. That's what drew me to it, I guess. I don't know. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about number two? Uh, number two, I don't know. It's a toss up. Okay. Two, number two, number two, I would say is, uh, yeah, probably the boss metal zone at this point. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Nice. The boss metal zone. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's very, uh, mm, it's the boss metal zone or the Digitech metal master. I used to also be super into, which is like a digital uh-huh. metal distortion. And I don't know, just both of them are so scooped that it's, I don't know. Like I used to stack multiple distortions and then put them into a graphic equalizer and then scoop them. But with those pedals, I mean, you can still do that, but you don't really need to. Yeah, they're already there. uh, Yeah, I mean, the Metal Master doesn't even have a gain knob, like, I, I, you know, you have to respect that. It's just on, like, max. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess this is – I'm actually counting two here. I would – I guess I'll give – these will count as two, I guess, but I would only use one at a time, I guess I'll say. Gotcha. Like, uh, uh, they sound different, but they both kind of – achieve the same goal achieve the same like on paper like if you wrote down what you wanted and then someone went into the back room to get something for you like they could bring back either of those and you would have been satisfied i think gotcha gotcha um but yeah i guess the metal zone has more we'll stick with the metal zone yeah it has more uh parameters i guess you could say it has more knobs gotcha six i guess instead of four but how about number three? Uh, number three, yeah, I, mean, I always like to have just like a, a graphic EQ. So like, I don't know, G, I have a G10. It's not, I don't know, it doesn't have a switch on it. It's a really old boss unit. Sure. Uh, it's the same as, I guess, the G7, which I guess they made into a pedal, but it has more bands on it. Yeah. So uh, it's one of the first things I ever bought, I think. Uh, and yeah, it's really hard to not have a, an EQ on a board for me because you can just push things really far. Like most pedals don't have, most pedals have pretty primitive EQs, I, I would say. And yeah. so once you have, which is totally fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, most of the amps I had, I guess also didn't have great EQs. Like, I don't know, JCM 800, like I think you could turn the knobs wherever you want it always kind of sounds the same <laughs> even though it, it sounds amazing like it's one of my favorite amps but it's like oh man like if i left the room and someone played with the dials i wouldn't know and uh <laughs> yeah. also uh and then the other amp i had was a yba1 which is like a clone of the the jcm 800 right. basically so trainer right trainer yeah trainer yeah, yeah. Yeah, Canadian, you know, you got to represent. Sure. That's yeah, right. yeah. So, Those are great amps. Uh, how, about number oh, f- how about number four? Yeah, number four. I really got to think now about this. A must-have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have a fourth must-have. I don't, like, it, can, I, it, it doesn't have to be one that you actually own either. Uh, oh, um, mm, 
the other, I mean, the pedal I probably also use the most is uh, another Digitech, just the Digi-Delay from the same, this X-Series. The Digitech X-Series really uh, left a mark on me, I think, because I was <laughs> able to obtain most of them, and I thought they were really good. So, uh, the, yeah, there's a Digi-Delay, uh, which... Uh, I think it's actually like lower fi sounding than kind of the boss ones that were at the time, like the DD3 and the DD5, but it has um, has like this really primitive four second looper you can use on it, and uh, the normal delay modes sound uh, really good, and uh, yeah, they just work really well. I don't know. Uh, cool. I, this is fascinating because. Um, I didn't expect any of that. I gotta say, based on the kind of pedals you make uh, and the the, yeah. the sound devices you make, which we're we're just about to we're gonna dive right into that right now. Um, I, I I think I just maybe we'll start with the the sort of extreme paradox of what you just talked about uh. versus the type of pedals that you're making. Which um, where can people go find or, or see what you're making? By the way, right now. Um, you can um, check two places, I guess, online. One is our website, which is mtlasm.com. And we also have an Instagram, which is at mtl.asm. Okay, so gotcha. Those are probably the two best places to. Right. Um, now, when you go there, you're going to find nothing remotely like Scott just described. Um you uh it, it, that almost sounds like a rig that um uh oh, what's the guy's name i just uh static um uh, wayne static yeah static. yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like wayne static's just rig. like that <laughs> right from I static x I, I didn't think of that but yeah i mean i own their cd so yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that's the influence <laughs> I, I don't know so when you when you go to Montreal <clears throat> Assembly's website, um, and Scott, you're actually in Montreal, Canada. For we didn't mention that. Yeah, that's where I live now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so I'll have to um, when we're off air, I'll have to ask you about a particular restaurant there. Um, and see Absolutely. If it's still there. Uh. So, what can if if you were to describe if you're riding in an elevator and someone said, "Oh, wow, that's really cool. You make pedals." what kind of pedals do you make what's the, what is your two floor pitch um yeah i guess we make um like our most famous pedals i guess would be like micro loopers maybe you'd call them that might like micro loopers are i don't know if i would call them granular effects but i think people would know what type of thing you're talking about maybe if you use those uh -huh. those terms yeah okay uh, uh Delays, loopers, but like, mm, yeah, more like you You're could really say they're manipulating time more. Than, yeah, uh, manipulating time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, can, with you the, can use that on your on your bio if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a good way to. <laughs> I'm a time manipulator. He's a time lord. Yes, um, we have some pedals that don't also, but yeah, yes. I mean, I think the stuff that. Um, was most popular is for sure. Yeah, what you've made, what, what put Montreal Assembly on the map. Um, speaking of that, I think, as I mentioned before, um, the Count to Five pedal, which is mm -hmm. a, it's, it's odd. 
I remember when we started asking everybody, when we came up with the four on the floor many, many years ago, um, I, I was surprised at how many people kept referencing this pedal. And, and granted, I had seen a few, uh, you know, I'd seen videos of it and stuff, um, Instagram at the time. Um, the guitar community was really just starting to, to emerge and, and find a, a, a real force in that, but it hadn't gone to its full potential where we are, obviously, right now. Um, and, you know, and I'd, I'd heard of it, I'd seen it, at, at, but I was surprised at how many people were referencing it. Not because I didn't think it was a good pedal, it was just, I was like, wow, a lot of people are calling this pedal out, which is why, you know, I said, let's get them on the show. Um, it is a rather unassuming looking pedal. Uh, it's just flat blue with some white knobs and some stamped black letters. Uh, but this yeah. absolutely, man, you really, you really did something that caught people's attention and made them say, wow, this, there's no, there's nothing else like this. Where did you get the Genesis for this particular pedal? And also, can you describe loosely what that does, what the pedal does? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know in what order. I guess um, the pedal, uh, the idea is just from, uh, I guess, I don't say. It, yeah, it, the pedal, the idea mostly came from uh, the fact that I've all of a sudden, I'll put all of a sudden in quotes, I guess, all of a sudden there was a lot uh, better um, kind of embedded technology available to like hobbyists or like you didn't have to be, I mean, I do have an engineering degree, but you didn't have to be like super specialized to find the resources and stuff to start developing with, you know, certain brands of, uh, microchips and the capabilities of them were really getting to the point where, you know, for quite a reasonably low cost, you can, uh, have chips that they manipulate sound without much effort. And um, at the same time, I think previously I had had um, another, you know, really cheapy pedal called the Goodbye 24, which was also previously built on an extremely cheap microcontroller, but like really, really cheap. Like uh, the sound quality was terrible and uh, it just ran, it ran an algorithm that was really similar to like what mode one is on the Counter 5 now, but it was like, I don't know, like seven or eight bit audio and just sounded totally big, crushed and crappy. But um, despite the terrible sound quality, a lot of people liked the effect. So um, once there was, I don't know, something within my uh, reach to make it kind of a bit more hi-fi sounding, then I just developed it on that. And then I tried to add some other modes that also play with time and um, I don't know I think you see with like micro loopers especially with um, modular stuff like there's a lot of variations on this I these ideas of just sampling and then rearranging the samples or playing them backwards or whatever I I just think at the time in guitar pedals there wasn't there was a few stuff like I think Hexi Revolver was already out which is a pretty interesting pedal um there was some stuff. There was another guy from Montreal, Sonic Crown, who is kind of like super, I don't know, super niche. If you know about this guy, I think he <laughs> made a, only a handful of pedals, but 
um, people were uh, extremely excited by his stuff. So I think my motivation or that where the ideas came from were kind of seeing that this, not necessarily to like use the, you know, not to make the Hexi revolver, but to kind of have a spin on this idea of playing with time and then using the technology that's available to make something that's maybe a little more affordable or a little more like mass producible than mm-hmm. what other, I mean, I'm talking about mass production, but I really mean like <laughs> more than 10, like others <laughs> what some of the right. other boutique people were doing. So, well, it seems uh, as though I think one of the things that this offers as opposed to some other pedals that basically say, select this mode and all of the things are already figured out for you. This is, this is very much a highly controllable, um, man it's like a manual control pedal instead of just going this this uh this particular setting is called wind sweep you know and it just does a oh, thing you can't yeah. control but you know there's a there's a there's a really um um i engineered engineering kind of rough manual nature to this pedal which i think really probably struck a chord with people because at the time things seemed to be more about like make Mm -hmm. it flashy looking or make it do a million things. And, um, this pedal, you know, you've got three toggles, two foot switches and four knobs, but you can do an awful lot of that, an awful lot with those things. Um, and at least from my perspective, that's what caught my attention, and I seem to gather that from other people. Is that similar feedback that you've had? Yeah, well, I mean, like, definitely when designing it, like, because, like, what it does isn't, like, obvious, right? I guess, like, it's not like you can just tell someone exactly in two sentences what's going to happen. So you have to make it so that each, like you said, there's only three knobs. Well, like one of them is mix always, so... You have to make it so that when someone turns the knob, they get like acoustic feedback and can, even if they couldn't say what the knob does, there's some sort of like learning Yeah. when they're like, oh, I turned this and it did this and then I want that to happen. So I'm going to do that again. And like, I don't know how you label a knob like that. Like we just came up with three letter acronyms that loosely refer to some word that might describe what it's doing, but it's like, yeah, it's that's that was definitely very uh consciously uh thought of in like what like what do you even parameterize in the algorithm and then um so i think like that design criteria was really successful i'd yeah, say because that that is a lot of like a lot of the early feedback we got at least was a lot like that like people they just have fun with it which to me is really the point because i think like I don't think this analogy was around when we launched it, but it's um, like you could think of making effects that are just kind of like um, Snapchat filters for sound. Like they're just fun. Like you should just have fun. Like, I, ha- I, have that- an, I have an analogy. Yeah. Okay. This is more like getting a Ziploc bag full of random Legos versus getting the box that builds uh, the X-Wing fighter from Star Wars. Yeah, sure. Uh, just yeah. in the but sense it, that you can, yeah. you can rearrange, you can make it whatever you want. Yeah. It's still going to build something. Yeah, you're not limited, or not not only limited to the design, but limited what you think that design should be. Yeah, and I, I mean, it is still, 
I think once you know, once you really understand what the algorithm is doing, it is very like I think a lot of people actually get it completely and like now it's a thing. But yeah, to launch it originally, it's definitely a lot easier when, uh, yeah, when people can just do something and get feel like they did something that is doing what they want. That's like, you know, user uh, experience, just having a good experience with something. So with this one, you you were able to uh, manipulate pitch delay. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically it's uh it's a pitch delay shirt. The first mode, yeah. It's right. I uh I forget what they called it. Way later I found like a university website on sound research and they actually had implemented in Java actually a similar effect to what is mode one and I forget uh, I wish I could remember what they called it. They had a name for it, a certain type of delay, and it's like, yeah, it's it's just that uh I don't know. It's it's like a read head and a write head moving around a tape, but they're not uh, like if you had an actual tape delay, the distance between the tape head, uh, the read head and the write head never moves because they're like screwed into the unit. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can change the speed of the tape, ah, yeah, but the okay. distance between the read and the write head can't move. Right. But digitally, you can make that happen. Right. So right. you just have now it's easier to imagine just that the tape itself doesn't move anymore like the tape is fixed right. and the length You're of the tape is the fixed and then the heads can move in whatever direction at whatever speed right. and it doesn't matter if they're running into each other or not there's some sort of uh negotiation to like not get artifacts in the sound from sure. something like that yeah that's right. you, you've mentioned the term micro looper a few times um yeah. can you explain that i for those of us yeah. that might not be as familiar so, with that term yeah here's because i didn't invent the term i just read it so this is um my understanding of what what how people are using micro loopers is like if someone said hey, I got a great new looper, you probably expect something that like can record like, I don't know, 20 seconds or like a whole phrase. Like, you right. know, you play a riff and then you loop the riff and then maybe you record some drums You're over gonna it. You're going to go busking. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, if someone says looper, that's at least in my head what I imagine. Yeah, like the ditto. And exa- exactly, the ditto. That's a perfect example. Um, whereas if someone says micro looper, what I imagine is something that, doesn't necessarily facilitate uh, really long phrases uh, repeated that more just maybe takes a sample that maybe is very long, but then um, only plays portions of it at a time and plays the portions back at um, different arrangements. Like I think you could say like the new um, Chase Bliss uh, habit, this is, I would call it a micro looper, even though I guess it can record three minutes, I would still say it's a micro looper. That's like just to give an example of a pedal that sure, a current pedal that I would put in that, um, uh, like some of the red panda stuff I would put in there. Uh, the, yeah, the red the red panda tensor is uh, I, I think loosely. You, you you guys tend to share the same talking space whenever people are talking about one or the other. Um, not that they're the same pedal, but um, it just no in the sense for of, sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I get it. Yeah. 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 So uh, this goes back to, okay, you just talked about some hardcore, like super scooped metal hmm. stuff. And then there's this, which is typically not found in that genre. Why hmm. was, why, why did this, why this? Uh, I guess just cause I um, like, I'm not going to start trying to sell metal 
pedals because like to live off because they're already they exist they uh-huh. are they're very good like they're so good that i bought them and i used them my whole life you know <laughs> so it's like it's right. like i don't have a much idea to uh the montreal metal zone got it okay gotcha i mean we're definitely gonna do it eventually but like more <laughs> as like more as like a, some sort of retrospective on life i think more than like you know i actually think that selling metal pedals is gonna pay my bills so yeah um and i mean yeah like really i guess i kind of comment on this is like um like I felt, I mean, I wasn't super knowledgeable about what boutique paddles existed. I used some forms, but not others. But at least on the communities I was participating in at the time, it just seemed like, you know, you see how people react to some of these paddles that are kind of available, but not really. And then you're like, well, I mean, now that we have these new tools, we could do this. And it is yeah. interesting to me. It is kind of like a newer type of pedal i mean i don't think i invented this genre i think all the, like even the teaspoon in a way like i don't remember this pedal this is an old it's like a it's a super short like stuttering pedal that oh i think it just runs off a of pt 2399 or something it's really old but like when i was a kid these you, you could online these were even already like 300 bucks or something wow and i've like, never heard of this pedal oh uh, you should look up the teaspoon yeah it it all it does is um when you click the button it just like latches like maybe a quarter of a second of oh. audio and just keeps repeating it so it'd be like bah, 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 and then you can you know adjust the delay time to uh, speed it up or slow it down and that's oh. it it's, it's kind of like the hold on the dd3 but okay, that's all yeah. it does but it was like a boutique thing and it was like super sought after uh in some circles obviously i mean obviously <laughs> so, so <laughs> but, it's it sounds wow. like uh, so you mentioned you were a, an engineer um mm-hmm. what it, i'm assuming i'm coming to the conclusion maybe a self-proclaimed conclusion that yeah. this fulfilled maybe more of a an engineering ability need maybe even more than a sonic need um hmm uh i don't know maybe i don't interpret it the same way okay. i don't know i think i well the reason i would say like i guess i perceived a demand for it so i guess that's why i would say it actually did fill a sonic need okay. because it was like these kind of pedals that were kind of dancing around the edge of this were always like very popular at least with the people i talked to like sure. so it was like well now you can do it like you can just get this stuff and you can just program it and do it and right. then here it is and um i don't know so what's your engineering background um yeah i I have like a master's in electrical engineering and i studied um, that so casually (laughs) well it's not mikey i don't think it's that i think anyone could could get an engineering degree honestly it's very like they haven't figured out like how to teach it to people i think so i i don't I don't, I'm not trying to like downplay engineering. I just don't think that getting an engineering degree is necessarily that complicated. Yeah. Uh, well, you got a so, master's in it. I think that's, that's a, like yeah. getting a master's in anything is an accomplishment. But I think yeah. um, for audio engineering, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the world that we're fascinated by. So I think yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty sure. exceptional. Yeah. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually study audio at all in school, but I studied like, signal like i would call it like advanced signal processing so it was more like 
well, we did a lot of stuff with like applications in neuroscience. So like understanding fMRI data, like diagnosing disease through fMRI, like oh, wow. um, limb movement prediction through like neural signals. Like, yeah, really. Uh, oh, wild. Uh, yeah. I so was like never able to get a job in stuff. this. Yeah. yeah for process. Yeah. I actually wrote a thesis on like algorithms for Here we go. prosthetic limb movement, but no, that's it. I mean, it wasn't that advanced. We went from it, metal a lot of zone people to, figure, uh, to diagnosing limb movements and prosthetics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this, uh, I, hmm. that's yeah, awesome. Um, that's really impressive. I'm, hmm. I'm actually like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, is that what, yeah. you know, is that your, I guess, quote unquote day job or no, did, um, no, I never worked in this field. Actually, I finished school and was not finding employment related to neuroscience and, or biomedical at all. So, um, I also had some medical issues myself and then, uh, I just got really lucky and people started buying a blue delay pedal I made and I never had a job after my master's. <laughs> I've never worked for anyone else. So it was kind of a lot of money for, I don't know what, interesting memories, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. It's great for parties. No, and um, I have to say like meeting people who studied neuroscience, they're, I'm not trying to generalize, but like they're always so much cooler than people that just studied engineering. So the fact that I have that kind of extra part is really nice. There are a lot more, I don't know, I feel like studying life sciences, it's a lot more open-ended, whereas engineering, unless you're really on like some, especially electrical engineering, unless you're really on some edge shit, it's, oh, sorry, I don't know if you can say that. Unless you're really at some like, violation some uh and unless you're really doing something that's like really really current uh yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of like figured out and dull and it's I, I find it interesting to learn about but it's not that interesting to think about after a while and whereas i find in neuroscience there's all these things that they were like oh th three years ago the guy who won the nobel prize was wrong actually like you know it was really like oh wow crazy like it's actually still happening yeah and so i i felt i mean electrical is also of course still happening but it's like we have 5G instead of 4G, and it's like, well, that's cool, but like, uh, I don't, I don't watch that much YouTube, anyways, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so I'm like a boomer, man. Like, I'm just like, I don't care about this stuff right now. Like, it's like good. I already have the internet in my pocket. That's already amazing to me. Like, yeah. Good. Yeah. Do you yeah. think you'll ever go yeah, back to enough. neuroscience stuff? I think it's probably been too long. I think that getting a job would be uh, pretty difficult. Um, but who knows? I mean, who knows? I, I can't predict, but I think. Uh, uh, I mean, if someone wanted to hire me, absolutely. But, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I would say, uh, at the interview at this point. Like, it's I'll, like, yeah, yeah. I wrote this paper. Uh, I'll get, like, I'll help get the word out for you. Hey yeah, everybody, well, hire this like, guy to do some neuroscience Todd, stuff. Todd Novak said that <laughs> I was great on his podcast. So, uh, you know, drop me, you're drop in, me a line. You're in like um, Flynn, man. Yeah, like, yeah, if anyone's got some uh, NSERC funding or whatever, just let me know. Just let me know. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, uh, so, you know, we, we've, we've spent a bit of time talking about your, your count to five, but that led to some, some other things that seem to dwarf the count to five. Uh, the Zeller, the Zeller Zazzle. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the actually, purple. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the 856, uh, I actually worked on this with someone named Nicholas Esterer, who is uh, a genius, really. I don't know how else to say this. This guy is um, 
one of the smartest people I know, I would say. So, and like an extremely talented programmer. Uh, so he works as a professional programmer uh, right now. And yeah, it was actually being developed at the same time that we I did the count to five. Like the um, we met at another contract job. I did have a short contract job where we were trying to sync. Uh, this is interesting. Synchronize like fifty mechanical metronomes with a. Uh, a motor on the stem to like adjust the tempos of them. So he had been hired by the same people who found me and we wrote some software for these people. And I don't know, that's where I met him. And then he found out that I was working on some pedals and he was very interested because he didn't really have much background in um, electronic hardware. So mm -hmm. basically I developed the hardware and he wrote the software for that. Uh, device and then finally we finished it at some point and it was actually started being worked on at roughly the same time as the count to five did though like even though it came wow. out much later it actually was because he had other things to do like i think he was still doing his masters at the time so he wasn't always active but yeah it, the projects actually basically started at the exact same time I think that, it, you know, something that, that could accompany this pedal, um, and, and for, so right now, everybody, we're talking about the Zellerzazen um, uh, on Montreal Assembly, and I think if you can prove it, usability, you should get an honorary degree as well, because this, yeah. this, this pedal is, can, can do quite a bit um it, it it's almost daunting to look at but also like wow i can't wait to get in a mess with all these knobs and everything <laughs> yeah um, it's uh, i'm gonna read re just really quickly sure what what this says you, you you were able to encapsulate to a degree what this says um a looper which allows playback of many layered copies of a single recording each layer can have various unique manipulations of the original recording Portions from the recorded loop can be played back in various rhythms and at a different and at different pitches. Once a series of transformations has been composed, this sequence of manipulations can be stored and can be applied to new loops and recordings. So this is just uh, if you've got a few weeks and and um, you know several bags of chips, you you can you could really have some fun here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's actually um, we should post it up soon. Um, somebody made a really nice like some app on iOS. I think it's like a Touch OSC or something. They made like a new interface for it, so you can just communicate with it over MIDI. Wow, which is maybe a little bit cleaner. So yeah, remind, uh, I got to remind to put that up. But yeah, we can't make them right now, anyways, because of chip shortage. Chip so. shortage. Yeah. Can you? I, I, I'd be willing to bet that you're finding that a lot of other people who are making music beyond guitar players are using these pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a lot well, of electronic. Oh, yeah. All types of people. Uh, it's probably primarily guitar, but I think a lot of people who play guitar also have like synths and... Uh, drums probably you know right. like it's i don't know so you also have the uh purple perp perp yeah. ll yeah purple tell yeah. me about that uh so this is just um 
I don't know, a modernized version kind of of the Schumann PLL, which was really pop, well, really sought after, I guess. So this is kind of my interpretation of it, but um, it's a fuzzed out harmonizer, drone synth, and more, is what it says. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, the PLL just tries to. It's like a monophonic pitch shifter, but. Uh, I don't know, it tries to track your note, and then part of its charm is, I guess, when it can't. And so you have some parameters that control, like, how tight it's trying to track your note. And then the one we made has, like, uh, you can arpeggiate the added notes, and, you know, it's got, like, a mixer. I think you can have two extra notes, so you've got, like, your root note and then a higher note and a lower note, and you can mix those together and EQ them and... Uh, it has a lot of knobs, but this pedal actually, like, I think it's the only pedal we have where, like, you can only do what the knobs show, basically. So if you understand what each knob does, it never really changes. So right. it's, it's actually, even though it looks like crazy. You I said, think it, if you understand what the, what the well, knob does. No, I mean, like, we made a manual and stuff, and I think people... Yeah. Uh, I guess, like, 13 knobs or something. There's a lot. There's a six, lot on here. Six yeah. switches. But, yeah, it's... It's more like what you see is what you get. So, like, if you turn it on later and put everything back to the same setting, it should sound the same as what it did before. It's not as dependent on, like, what's in the looping memory or anything like that. Yeah. Right. So, uh, now, you've got some other things, but let's get off of, like, just walking through your your entire product yeah, line. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, what is intriguing you right now? As, a, as somebody who has created a pretty seminal pedal in the count to five i mean that is that's in the books and um yeah. what and you've and you've you've branched out and you've done the purple and the zazer zeller thing and mm. where is your head now as far as what's your next move what is intriguing you to build um yeah mostly i guess it's been about i would say at least 18 months that like the supply chain has been basically <laughs> completely screwed. Yeah. So, um, and it doesn't, and my research seems to indicate it's not going to get better. So, um, yeah, I've just, I've actually been kind of just going down the rabbit hole of like, uh, finding, uh, you know, uh, microcontroller manufacturers in China that I guess probably previously just sold mostly domestically. Cause it's like, they're not competitive with, I don't know, Western chip manufacturers, I'm not sure, but, or they just don't try. Uh, but these people are more than willing to sell to you. You just have to kind of reach out to them. And this, I've gone through like two major rounds, I guess, like two kind of dives. And they've both had very kind of wild results. Like at first I was just really happy to find anything because it was like, oh my God, you have something? Like, I'll just buy it right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and right. then, you know, that, that was a thing for a minute. But then eventually it was like, oh, what the, what's this stuff? And then you're like, is this real? Like, I don't know. And like, um, yeah, there's been some pretty interesting stuff and it seems like uh, we found suppliers for some stuff. So I'm waiting for some samples even right now from a few companies of stuff and uh, mostly I'm just excited that like, um, it seems like if you think of something, you'll be able to find the parts to implement it. Whereas I spent almost like two years in the reality that like, 
I don't even know, like we can't even keep making the stuff we already designed. And so like your day is like, I don't know, spending a lot of time just figuring out how to make stuff you already figured out mm -hmm. how to make, which like is fine. And like, if that's your job, that's fine. But like, it's really not inspiring at all. It's kind of tedious and uh, boring. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, there's nothing like super specific, I guess it's more just like, Oh, you can like start thinking about what you could make now. Cause like in 2020, I was working on some prototypes and, you know, we had to stop making those cause whatever chipsets we were looking at are like at the moment, like, I don't know, 60 to 80 week lead times, which like, I don't, wow. I don't know. That's not 80 weeks. That's not even, <laughs> that's... yeah. Oh, more than a year. Like more, most things are more than a year now. So, it, which is like, hey, if you. Like, I guess if we were rolling, you know, and we had a huge stock of stuff and you just say, oh, I guess we'll just put this out next year. But it's like, uh, not, not right. so much. Um, but also we're um, we're hopefully about to move to a much bigger space also. And a lot of this was just brought on by like some of the processes we outsourced. People just became like, like not to be rude, but a lot of our suppliers just became completely incompetent and uh, like kind of just compounded the frustration of like not only not being able to get parts, but like when you do have stuff, like people can handle it properly. And um, right. without going into too many details, like uh, a lot of like we can do a lot of the stuff. It's just that there's these companies that claim they can also do it and they have all the stuff to do it. So why wouldn't you get them to do it? And it's like, well, this is why actually we found out why. So yeah, we're moving to a bigger place and um, yeah, kind of just continue. Like recently we put out some more just like, I don't know, distortions and stuff. And um, they were kind of just like process experiments almost. Like, can you pump this stuff out? Like with these parts or like what's going on? So right. we're also playing with this idea of, yeah, just um, I guess like upping the amount of stuff we make. So like offering also maybe some lower, like, I don't want to say they're cheap because I mean, you can go on Amazon buy a belt for 50 bucks, but right. you know, a hundred, we were selling these for like a hundred bucks or so. Is so the, uh, maybe the two positive. Yeah, that's two positive. And then we made another one recently called uppers, which is just um, like kind of an octave fuzz. Um, yeah. And yeah, they had an okay response. So I think yeah. probably we'll do a few more things in that vein also, and just try to, uh, try to get back to work basically i don't know i don't yeah. have to say it. it's been yeah. a pretty it's been a pretty tedious um i can imagine two and a half two and a half years and like so when you were talking earlier about t doing that that course where or the 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 uh workshop where you're essentially building digital versions of essentially yeah i thank you tony what <laughs> what you're what you're building um in your pedals is that mm -hmm. is that something you believe you're going to be pursuing um maybe even due to supply chain? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I really enjoy building hardware. I mean, maybe we could uh, augment it with some plugins, but uh, it, maybe it would be cool if you released a pedal. I think um, someone did this recently. Wampler, maybe? Someone just released a delay, and they also released a plugin of the same delay yeah. that I think you get for free if you actually buy the pedal. And that's pretty cool. To me, that's actually really cool. So, um, yeah, maybe something like that. I don't think, though, that will be, like, 
trying to compete in like the plugins market i i've looked i've looked at what's available it's pretty nice stuff so i'm not <laughs> trying to uh, i'm not trying to like say i couldn't do it i just i'm like oh yeah okay all right all right i don't know if we have time for that today but like <laughs> <laughs> well it would be interesting yeah. to see what would happen in the market if you released a digital version of the count to five you know because that has it's oh, so yeah. well known and um yeah, you know, that'd be really, really curious to see like where that would land. Who who might be interested in picking that up? Yeah, maybe something. Yeah, or or maybe um, like end of life planning. Like once you stop making them, you just you just give it out for free or something, right? Like you're just like here. You can always get the the sound, you know, from this website or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So something more like that. I think that might be a uh, an interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's you a great. Sell the rights idea. to Line Six or something. Oh, I would love for Line Six. I'd love to even just have a meeting with Line Six, just even, even to give it to them. Yeah. All right. Call me. Call They're me listening right now. So yeah, if you're out there, yeah. Yeah. Um, They'll make yeah. it happen. Mm-hmm. They'll take your call, man. I, I, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, this it's been really fun hearing about like all of the. The stuff that goes into, you know, the the brain that uh, mm. that made up, uh, you know, so, some of these pretty fantastic pedals. And if you have the opportunity to get one, I highly recommend you do before they, you know, who knows what the supply chain's gonna do. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have Count to Fives left? Yeah. Um, count to Five we have now, and I think we'll be good for a while on that. And the other ones, uh, purple, we're gonna have back in a minute, and the eight five six. A lot of people ask about this, and yeah, we're uh, we found some parts that are like candidates, I would say, for redesigning it. So yeah, um, I actually met with Nicholas uh, last week, not specifically for this, but he's around. So hopefully, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, within a month or two, we're at least back on some sort of. Uh, plan to get it back but um it's not going to be super soon but hopefully by the end of 2022 we we at least have some cool promising news on that one i would say yeah yeah um so we've been talking quite a bit about like all the pedals and and the the amazing things that they can do but i i what i I think we failed to do just ask you a simple question is what's your go-to guitar man oh i have like um an overseas parker i don't know they're like the pdf series or something I, I don't know which one it is pdf 60 or 70 it's just like a black parker it doesn't even look exactly like the usa parkers but this is definitely my go-to i think it's um i don't know it's so light and the neck is really amazing and uh, i used to like i played jackson's forever like i love jackson guitars they're like you know these nice shredder guitars and uh-huh. uh the parker actually like is better like you're like oh no it's like what i liked in jackson's but like even more extreme like the neck is flatter it's thinner the the guitar weighs like i don't know like three and a half pounds or something stupid like it it's really amazing so yeah i just um got this and put uh demarzio x2n in the bridge and like you know <laughs> plug it into your metal zone and that's it man like you're it doesn't really get any better than that you, know? you might be so, able to skip the metal zone with yeah. that pickup <laughs> yeah, all right that that's my favorite pickup man like 
um i played emgs for a long time when i was younger but um i read about i don't probably on like tgp or something i saw someone mention this uh demarzio x2n and then of course i looked on ebay and found out you could get it in like neon green and i was like oh my <laughs> god like this is the one for me right so i bought it, it doesn't need a battery so i, I didn't even listen to it i just bought it and then um, he is it's static it's so much better than the emgs like the clean sound is actually nice like this i don't know emgs they sound like plastic when it's not distorted but when the X2N, it's like, oh, it actually sounds not bad, clean. And then you're like, but who cares about clean anyways? You know, and then, you know, <laughs> that's it, man. You just roll with that. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, even my Jackson has X2N. I got two guitars with X2N, and, and it's like, yeah, that's it, man. All right. Well, thanks so much, Scott Monk of Montreal Assembly, for sharing all that awesomeness. We are going to check in with our good buddy, Jared, who's back from a, a long uh, layoff and uh, not a layoff but he was just out he was busy we laid him he off he was busy yeah we just laid oh, him off moving. we, re- we rehired him 60 yards yeah uh so anyhow let's uh, find out what he's got going on ladies and gentlemen it's the host of the segment that you've missed so greatly in this version with me jared brandon singing you this song would you this week's would you rather is very interesting especially because i'm going to read it you'll see what i'm talking about here in a second this awesome would you rather is from russ stanziali i'm gonna i think that's how you pronounce it russ stanziali thanks for sending this in man so you're walking down the street when you're handed a burner phone by a guy on a stupid scooter, the phone is ringing and you answer. It's a husky but slightly high-pitched voice on the other line that says, It's Getty Lee. This is not Jared. <laughs> You're invited to be a guest on the Guitar Knobs podcast. You struggle with the pre-show angst of preparing for the show's two most popular segments. Would you rather and would you I mean, four on the floor and would you rather... The show hosts hear about your rising stress levels, and they come up with a plan to help. They offer you a choice. Would you rather choose a fifth pedal, a five in the floor versus four on the floor, so that you have a little breathing room, including your favorite pedals? What parent of five-plus children, after all, could choose their favorite four or... Add a qualifying asterisk to uh, whatever your would-you-rather answer is. You know, you won't be tied down by the segment's boxy inflexibility. (laughs) You can qualify your answer with whatever single-sentence exception you want to add to your answer. Choose carefully. Your blood pressure depends on it. This is not Jared. (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay, so what that ultimately translates to is: w- Would you rather have a fifth pedal, or uh, and, and and the ability to have an asterisk asterisk um, on your answer for your four on the floor? All By right, four on the floor. You mean? I mean, you you're, rather, uh, right? uh, would you rather? Would you rather? Yeah. And yeah. so there's like actually two would you rather's. 
Like, well, this is the way. This is well, you do that. this or that. Yes. But you get to have an extra. Right? Yes. Uh, but okay. there is a there is another would you rather question. That's I'm sure we may have guests that can't comprehend this whole idea. <laughs> it's um, it's possible. Uh, you, it, the, you might even have hosts that I was gonna say, comprehend. Based on the look on Tony's face I'm, right uh, now, I think he I might think, have trouble um, comprehending. I think I'll I'm fine with those four, I don't think. Okay, um, so you're going to take the asterisk on the on the question. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure I'll need it, but yeah, I'll take it. Sure. Okay. All right. I like right. this guy, man. All right. Uh, Tony, how about yourself? Uh, can I have one less pedal? <laughs> one less? <laughs> <laughs> Would you get like two asterisks? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two asterisks or one less pedal. Uh, yeah. Gosh, uh, I don't know how to answer this question. With one of those two things. Uh, okay, I'll take uh, I'll take the asterisk for a thousand. Okay, perfect. Um, see, with that asterisk, well, see, I'm going to manipulate this answer. Uh, go ahead, John. Well, I might be thinking what you're thinking. I'm going to take the asterisk, and that asterisk is I can choose as many options as I want. I'm going to take both, so I'll have five oh, pedals. Oh, the genie trick! The asterisk. Ooh, now we're doing it. Now it makes sense. Yep. Uh, let's see, Jared. It's like the game genie for the guitar knobs. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the would you rather thing since that's my uh, segment anyway. And funny enough, I'm looking at my pedal board right now. I only have four pedals. Quit. Which is but, hilarious. Uh, so, so, yeah. But so they're, it's, but they're all it's, the size of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they're all, yeah, they're good ones too. They're big but, uh, yeah. Okay. I like I like my four pedals, so I'm going to take the asterisk. I'm going to do I'm going to manipulate this as well. Go for the asterisk. Add a fifth pedal and an uh, and an asterisk. Asterisk. Well. An asterisk. Asterisk. An asterisk. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Solder. Risk. Say it. Risk. Risk. Risk and reward. Aster. Aster. Risk. Aster. Risk. Hold your tongue and say apple. <laughs> uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for doing this with us. Good um, to be back. Yes, good to be back, Jared. Thank you for that. Um, now, we need to thank a few people, and then no. we're going to let our friend Scott go. No, we're not thanking anyone tonight. I changed my mind. No, Todd, I'm just yanking your chain. Do it! Because at this point of the show, there's a very special group of people that we love to thank. These are our executive producers. Yes. Now, you might be wondering what an executive producer is. Tony, what's an executive producer? Well, it's a person that makes this show possible. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can I become an executive producer? How do you become an executive producer? You missed your cue, John. <laughs> Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple of different options in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Good each, stuff. And each level comes with a great bevy of thank you gifts. But in addition to the thank you gifts, there's one thing more. Uh, Jared. Jared. You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. That's right. So let's give a shout out and a special thanks to each of these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, 
Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Jamalaro, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly from Rare Buzz Effects, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Lawrence Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Chris, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? David Pope, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, and Stuart George. Right on, right on. Thank Todd, you so much. Todd, do I have to warn you every time? Yes, I have a short-term memory. It's you part do. of the shtick. It, it really is. is. It really is. Because there's an additional group of executive producers that we thank. Uh-huh. These are our grand poobas. They're the creme de la creme. They live on the upper penthouse suite in the wonderful Guitar Knobs building right here in downtown Columbus, Ohio. Yes. You may not have seen it. It has but an it's infinity there. pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. In two. The, it has two infinity in the pools. Elevator. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups. One, That's one, right. One, 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 one. Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik from 12th Hour Devices. I wonder what that mm. means. Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. 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 And Eddie Serratos. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Scott, where can people fi- find your wares on the internet? At uh, mtlasm.com. All right. Hey, everybody, make sure that when that you go get one of these here, uh, Montreal Assembly pedals, while they last. And get one from Scott, okay? D- d- like, see if you can not do a used one. Uh, you know, if, if that's all you can get, we'll get, you know, some's better than none. But support him. Buy directly from him if you can, okay? John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at www.rarebuzzer.com. That's Rare Buzz with an E-R at the end. Uh, Rare Buzzer everywhere social media is sold. Uh, second run of the Fuzz Bombs coming very, very soon. In fact, I've already started releasing a few of them out into the world and Count Arlock V2s also out in the world. Mm. Check them out. Awesome. Jared? You can find me on Instagram at jared.allen.brandon. All right. And that's it. Yes. Uh, you can send me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com, or DM me on Instagram at guitarnobs. We'd love to hear what's going on with you. Uh, Always do. Yes. And uh, send us your would you rathers. Do that stuff. All right. Thank you so much to Scott Monk from Montreal Assembly for joining us tonight. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe. Yeah. yeah. How did you not you hear that? Where were you on that? This is Hello. this is going to be a great night.
Oh, I hope so. <laughs> or else. I, I'm trying to. No, re- I mean, there's. <laughs> I don't hear anything. Jared? Yeah. What'd you have for breakfast? An energy bar? Are you, is that, are you guessing? It's not a game show. I had an energy bar. What the f*** want from me? Whoa. I want to hear That's what you slow. really It's had. a little late in the day to, 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 for, for F-bombs about breakfast, sir. Um, no, it's not. I know him, and he does. I know him, and he does. I know, but you, you didn't say it. Well, I was looking at the knob. But, but that's the whole point for the song. Okay, I can just... And it's a cool place. And the wine was delicious. <laughs> the What is your technical title over Gibson? Product manager and development of pickups. So I make new pickups for Gibson and manage what we have now. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and chief of pickups. security. Yeah. No, that's Tommy. He just stands in the doorway. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even need rubber bullets. All right. It sounds like, it sounds kind of like you're calling from an airplane bathroom. All right. I have a would you rather I'm going to send you. Would you rather? So I've got the body. <laughs> His wife just yelled at him. What? Oh, wait, no. I've got the body. You've got uh, the body. Not and I'll just it's bring you the fun. body. Okay. It's pretty straight ahead what it is. Oh. How's that now? Why? <laughs> I think it's better. I'm going to reboot my computer. I can't hear anything. Okay, okay, bye. Oh, crap. We got Scott waiting. I got to call Scott right now. Scott! Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash theguitarnobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitarnobs. Catch you next time.